showing me some, some cool stuff. I wanted to talk about Jesus tonight, so Lord, help me. Lord, help me talk about you really well. You're so awesome, Jesus. I am overwhelmed by how awesome you are, Jesus. <clears throat> um, okay, guys, have you ever noticed how the church is trying to answer questions that the world's not asking? By, by that, I mean, like, we, we get our theological ducks in a row, and we understand the the eight points to, you know, the ascension of the sons of God. Like, we, you know, I'm just, I'm just, th- that's a random word I just threw out there. It's not actually a doctrine. But I'm just saying, like, we figure out all these great things about, um, about the word and about the Lord. But um, for me, like, even though... I can expound on a bunch of different scriptures and stuff like that. I'm actually scared to talk to someone with a broken heart because I have, I'm afraid I have nothing to offer. Or I'm afraid to talk to someone who's gone through a horrible loss because I don't know how to fix them. And the world isn't asking questions like, how do we make people with a homosexual demon desire members of the opposite sex. What the world is actually asking right now is, why should they be treated any differently than straight people? They're actually asking questions about real love. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, homosexuality is, is definitely a, a sin. It's a demonic stronghold. But um, the world is, is actually asking the right question. The world's not asking is abortion murder, they're asking, how do I keep my teenage daughter from getting pregnant? And we are the people with the answers. We just have to give them the right answers. We have to give them the answers that they're looking for. Jesus is, uh, he's this guy that actually saves Jesus, and I'm not talking about saves in the sense of eternal security. I'm talking about Jesus saves from catastrophe. He saves people from addiction. He saves us from disease. He saves us in the midst of heartbreak. He saves us from car accidents. He saves us during car accidents. He heals us. You know, he he saves us from poverty. He is the man with an answer in practical, applicable ways, not like ethereal, nebulous doctrine. Like he gets in there and fixes things. Anybody ever been saved by Jesus in a way you can actually remember and communicate? And it's like, you know, stories like my account was actually overdrafted and then we prayed and the next day, you know, $1,000 showed up before an overdraft bill hit. You know, everybody has crazy stories like that. And that's, that's Jesus who saves. It's Jesus, it's, we all have stories of family members or friends that, that got injured or sick and there was no medical option or, or it would have been a long, tedious recovery and the Lord stepped in and healed them. There's so many stories like that. He is the practical applicable savior of our lives. Um, You guys ever heard of blind Bartimaeus? 
they got that name totally wrong, right? He's definitely seeing Bartimaeus. <laughs> yeah, he used to live in the blind camp. Um, this is right out of uh, Mark ten forty six. It says, Then they came to Jericho, and Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind, a blind man, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. That is socially awkward praise. That is like uninvited, super uncomfortable, socially awkward, make a scene because the Savior walked in kind of prayer. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. (laughs) Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and ran into a wall. No, I'm just kidding. He, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want world peace and revival in my city. Is that what he said? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And he said, Lord, forget about me. Just save my entire family. No. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And he said, I want to see. He said, teacher, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Do you know why they knew his name was Bartimaeus? Because he began to follow Jesus. They got to know him. They got to know seeing Bartimaeus. Most of the people, well, I mean, not most. Yeah, most. Most of the people that get healed, they're, they're nameless. It's this person with leprosy, that blind person, that person with dropsy, you know, that, that daughter of the, the girl that ran in, you know, it's, but this is Bartimaeus. We know his name because he followed Jesus after he got what he wanted. Jesus would actually ask people most of the time, what do you want? Not need. A blind man can actually live life blind. I mean, it's highly annoying for him and frustrating, and he would much prefer to see. But he's gonna, he can eat and, and breathe, and he has every other faculty. He just can't see. He, so he actually didn't need sight. He wanted it.
What would have happened if you asked for world peace? <laughs> Check this out. It didn't even say that, like, it really mentioned nothing about faith. It actually just said that Bartimaeus was a loudmouth who said what he wanted. And the squeaky wheel got the grease. But it, Jesus called it faith. Did you know that sometimes when you just tell the Lord what you want, he'll call it faith? Isn't that crazy? He's that good. Here's the difference between needs and desires. The Lord told me that creation was set up to provide you your needs. He spoke the universe a spinning, and he spoke the world into existence and the trees, the plants, and all the yummy stuff for us to pick and shoot with crossbows. And <laughs> no, Adam, Adam probably didn't have a crossbow, but what I'm saying is creation was like a perfect Walmart for them just to walk around and eat. They planted a seed and it grew something they could eat. Create like God's original word was enough to sustain our needs. But he so relishes giving us our desires that he reserved that right for himself and he calls it prayer. And he says, "What do you want?" I want to hear your heart. I want to be the guy that gives you what you want. You know, like when, when never mind, I'm getting ahead of myself. Woo, Holy Ghost. Um, now I'm going to go there. Okay. <clears throat> when, when Jesus was teaching them how to pray, he was saying, you, you don't have to use tons of words and tell them all the stuff you need. He already knows what you need. He said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, give us this day. Yeah, I forgot the hallowed be your name part. But you know what I mean. He, give us this day our daily bread. But that seems contradictory to what he just said. Daily bread, that just sounds like a need, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Do you know where, where he says that? I mean, there's a couple places in the Gospels. But the one that I'm specifically thinking of is right out of um, Luke 11. Jesus gives them that famous prayer, and then he goes into this story about a man. It says, suppose one of you who has a, has a friend who comes to him at midnight and says, a friend of mine has come to me on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Like, I need three loaves of bread. And then the, the story goes on to say that that guy gets the bread. It says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. And then Jesus says this. This is key. Get this. Which one of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil or carnal, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in that parable, the man is asking for three loaves of bread. What does Jesus say he's actually asking for? The Holy Spirit. Give us this day our Holy Ghost. <laughs> the bread that comes down from heaven. He's not talking about praying every day that God would put food on your table. Have you ever seen the children of the righteous begging for bread? No. 
He's saying, tell me what you want. Ask for the Holy Spirit and I'm going to give it. Lots of people live without the Holy Ghost. They can live and die without him, but we want him, don't we? We want the Holy Ghost. So three loaves equals Holy Ghost. Put that in your memory. Three loaves, Holy Ghost. (laughs) So Jesus is this guy that is our practical Savior. I was reading um, about the demoniac in Mark chapter 5. It's that crazy story. Let Let me just go there. You know the story where he says we are le- the, the demons say we are legion because we are many? Uh, have you, like before that, before Jesus gets to this demoniac, if you read, he's actually started pretty much a revival. There are people like begging to be his disciples. He's healed all these people. Large crowds are around him. And he actually uh, abruptly turns to his disciples and said, Let's get in the boat and cross to the other side. Have you ever wondered why he, le- he left his, like, hopping church? He had a revival going on. He's like, let's go to the other side of the lake right now. In fact, there was a, he, he was in such a hurry. There's this one disciple who said, I want to follow you, Jesus, but let me bury my father first. Jesus said, nope, we got to go. Let the dead bury their dead. That doesn't sound loving, Jesus. Well, he was addressing a, tradi- a tradition of man that held no value in his own heart. <clears throat> Have you guys ever wondered, like, why he left his own revival to cross the lake? Well, he gets there. This is uh, Mark chapter 5. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So he had, I mean, he'd really taken on the nature of that demon to the point where he was demonically empowered to break chains. Uh, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran, fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Isn't that heartbreaking? He was so used to being brutally treated by people and he heard this, this new rabbi that was unlike any other rabbi had come. And he runs to him and, and says, please don't torture me like the rest of them. How many people ever left a church looking for another church where you wouldn't be tortured? Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. (laughs) Then Jesus asked him, what's your name? My name's Legion, for we are many. 
And he be- uh, the, the demon begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on nearby, nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us into the pigs. And so Jesus actually sent the demons into the pigs. The pigs, you know the story. They run down the bank, drown themselves. It's this crazy story. All the people attending the pigs reported it. They want Jesus out of the area because they're freaked out by this pig-killing rabbi. Like, get, <laughs> get out of here, Jesus. They're scared to death of him. As Jesus was getting into the boat to leave, the man who had been demon-possessed, this is verse 18, by the way, begged him to go with him. Where are we going next, Jesus? Jesus didn't let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Jesus likes to do things. Because he is our practical, applicable Savior. This is verse 20. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Do you know what the Decapolis is? It's a region of ten cities. It's not one town. It's not like Decapolis where, like, Batman dwells. It's like... (laughs) Decapolis is a whole region where there's 10 cities. This guy went from city to city telling, and it says, all people who heard him were amazed. This guy who was the most demonized person that anyone had ever seen up to that moment became the greatest evangelist of the region. Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. He heard that man's groans in the spirit from across the lake and said, we've got to go, guys. You can't keep him away from the brokenhearted. He heard that man moaning in the night, cutting himself with stones and said, that's where I got to go. He had an answer for him. Man, the the book of Mark's been rocking my world. I'm going to flip over a couple pages to Mark chapter 7. This really jumped out to me. I've talked to some of you guys about this, but it's Mark 7, 24. Uh, Jesus left that place and went into the vicinity of Tyre, or Tyre. He entered a house and did did not want anyone to know it. He wanted to be stealthy. He was actually probably tired. The son of man actually does get tired. Remember, he sat on the well, like, to refresh himself. He was weary. He actually, this, this, is, this is God wanting to keep his presence secret. He did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. What did this woman want? Yeah. She wanted her daughter to not be tormented by a demon. 
part to me that like stuck out first about this is that he couldn't keep his presence secret. Did you know that the, the hurting are drawn to Jesus just like Jesus is drawn to the hurting? The, a hurting person will actually sniff him out and be like, that smells like something other than all the jerks that I've run into in my life. <laughs> that smells like the answer to my problem. Let me just say, if one of my do- I have two daughters and a third on the way. If one of my daughters had a tormenting demon and I couldn't drive it out, my whole life would be devoted to finding the Savior who drives out demons. And, and when I found him and he drove out the demon, I wouldn't follow him because of heavenly rewards. I wouldn't follow him because of fear of hell or any other crazy sermon title you can think of. I would follow him because I love the man that saved my daughter. Let's flip over another page. Jesus feeds the 4,000. This is what uh, Mark 8 once says. During those days, another large crowd gathered since they had nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way. Do you know what happened like a few days before that? Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus fed 5,000 people. Miraculously, right? You know the story. He multiplied fish and bread. Well, a few days go by, and guess what? A large crowd gathers. Why did they gather? They were hungry. And I bet you Jesus in that region was known as the food multiplier. Remember? <laughs> like he's, and if you've got 4,000 hungry people, they're going to go to the food multiplier. And Jesus had compassion on them. He didn't look at them and say, the only reason y'all are following me is because you want to fill your bellies. Why don't you go away and find a selfless reason to follow me first? He fed them. He gave them what they wanted. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators? (laughs) An awesome organization. I just found out they're they're actually based somewhere close by in in Texas. But they've gone all over the world translating the Bible into whatever language they find. You know, when they land off the boat or plane, they, they get in there and figure out how to communicate Christ to people in their language. Well, I heard this story from a guy that used to be in Wycliffe, and he said that they went to, I believe it was Morocco. I'm pretty sure it was Morocco. And uh, they were talking about Jesus being the bread of life. Like, he's the bread that came down from heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 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 bread. And it, it really wasn't hitting home with them. The Moroccan people were like, okay. Well, because in in 
English-speaking world or, or European-influenced world, usually uh, like bread is a staple of our diet. It's very important. Who loves sandwiches? You need bread for sandwiches. If you went to prison in the U.S., you'd get like bread and water and maybe a potato. You know what I mean? <laughs> but in Morocco, do you know what a staple of their diet really was? Like take, replace bread with banana. And I kid you not, in Morocco, Jesus is the banana of life. Jesus is the banana that came down from heaven. Give us this day our daily banana and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He is the practical, applicable savior. He wants to get in your life no matter what. If there's some dude in Morocco like running through the jungle from a panther that's about to kill him and and suddenly there's a bright light appears behind the dude running from the panther he turns around and there's this angelic looking being and the panther you know tucks tail scare, is scared and runs off or maybe the angel turns the panther into the dude's pet that dude <laughs> he doesn't know the name of Jesus but that that angel was is the angel of the lord that just showed up and that dude just got saved. And he can't speak English. He doesn't know the name of Jesus. But Jesus is standing there and he says, like, you know, like, and now this guy is following click cluck, you know, cluck cluck. Jesus. He's following Jesus. But his name is, you know what I mean? <laughs> And we're going to be partying with that dude for all eternity. And he's going to think that Jesus is still cl <laughs> cluck cluck or something. He's the, he's the white angel that saves from panther and the banana that came down from heaven. Seriously, our theology is not going to work when we go to Morocco. We have to know the God who saves from panther. We have to know the banana of life. I'm going to offend some evangelists in here with these next statements. I promise you. I was like, Lord, help me when I was writing these notes. I've got a friend. His name is Rick. He's one of the most incredible evangelists I've ever met in my life. With some of the most prophetic accuracy I've ever heard moves in crazy power. And he's the kind of guy that he, when he wanted to reach out to the homeless, he left his comfy house, his beautiful wife, and his child and he went and lived under bridges for weeks so that he would become, like, ingratiated in, in the community of Brit, under the bridge dwellers. You know, like, he, he got in there, earned their trust. He dressed, you know, he put on the nastiest clothes he had and probably poured, you know, stuff on him to make him smell bad and, and went and lived under the bridge. Because <clears throat> the Lord is close the brokenhearted. This same guy, uh, Rick, he, uh, he just had so much courage. He went to, he befriended the, this like gang member and he would go to the gang house and save these people with these accurate words of knowledge. He went to this house where they knew they cooked drugs and uh, was, you know, he just was persistent 
you know, trying to get them to trust him. And, you know, one day he actually gets inside this house where, you know, it's the people who cook drugs are, are in there, some gang. And, and, you know, they're freaking out in the back, you know, yelling all these cuss words because their fridge is broken and they need the fridge to keep the drugs cold. And he looks in the corner and, excuse me, I, I apologize ahead of time, there's a naked prostitute in the corner that the, the, the gang members use. And she is completely strung out on drugs, almost to the point of death, shaking from coming down from drugs. And, and here's a pastor. He's in the drug-cooking house with a naked prostitute. Is that where you find pastors? Is that where you'd find? Never mind. <laughs> Well, he looks at this, this poor girl, you know, laying on the floor, and the Lord says, you need to hand her her next needle or she's going to die. So the pastor handed this naked prostitute her next drug fix, and he, and he saw the fridge situation. He's not welcome in there. You know, he's just been persistent enough that he was able to, to get in. And, but he says, so you guys need a new fridge? And they're just, yeah, you know, what are you, you going to do about it? Well, he gave them a fridge to keep their drugs cold. Do you know that everyone in that house gave their lives to the Lord? Thank you, Vince. True story. We both know this guy, he's a... I'm not going to tell you who he is because I don't want him to get in trouble on the internet. <laughs> you don't learn that in ministry school. To be the guy that shows up and, and gives the, the prostitute her next drug fix so she doesn't die. But he walked into that house like Jesus who saves. I'm the kind of guy who will give a homeless person a pack of cigarettes before I'd give them a Bible verse. In fact, what I actually try not to mention Jesus until someone has experienced love from me. Jesus doesn't ask or expect our love until he loves us first. First John 4.19, we love because he loved first. First John 4.10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He actually wants to know what you want. He, he wants probably, probably nothing more than for that, um, that program that runs in our brain that says, this is the prayer that God wants to hear. Pray this prayer to God. This is what, this is what God would want to hear. He would love nothing more than that program to be completely disabled. And he would love to hear your heart. 
because he loves to do things for us. I'm not talking about love in a way where like, you know, you, you feel his goodness or like you can trust that he's on your side or some just like, you know, theory of love. I'm talking about practical, applicable showings of his love in your life to what he wants to do. This week I called up a, a guy that um, I'd met a couple weeks ago <clears throat> and just asked him out to coffee. Really cool guy. Um, he's been married for a little while, has a two-year-old son, and he just came into a lot of uh, financial difficulty. He moved to Dallas not too long ago. They hadn't had a working car in like nine months, but I couldn't I couldn't put it together because this guy was super fun to talk to, bright, responsible, smart. He's a completely certified journeyman electrician, and he can't find work. So I just looked at him, and I, I, just, I just prophesied over him. I said, hey, man, this financial situation is not going to last much longer at all. This last year of financial difficulty was just a short thing from the Lord where he was working out any bit of poverty that still remained in your heart, and now he's going to financially bless you. And, and I said, and I said, um, if you ever, like, come up with a, a, a job where you need a car for a few days, my wife and I, we, we have a minivan. We can load all our kids in, and I also have this busted-up old Suburban. You can, you, you can have that truck. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. You can, you can have my truck if you, get a, if you get a job. He's like, no, are you serious? I'm like, Yeah. He said, before you picked me up, I was actually texting with a guy who came up. He, he owns an electric company. He, get, he wanted me to work a three-day job, but it's way in South Dallas. I'd, there's not even, like, bus and train routes that would get me there. I was just about to turn him down. I called up my mom, who's a missionary. His mom is a praying missionary on the Kona base, like YWAM Kona base in Hawaii, and he was pouring out his heart to, to his mom, just saying, Mom, I need you to pray for me. I need God to break through in this situation. And literally what his mom said is, oh, honey, yeah, let's pray. But I bet you someone today is just going to give you a vehicle. I walk up to him and give him a vehicle. Okay, get this. Okay, so he's blown away. and He's so happy. He's like, well, I'm going to call that guy right now. And so he calls him and, and he and he, so he's got this three-day job where he's making, like, plenty of money, you know, uh, in terms of, like, daily. This is, this is three days ago that this happened, guys. No, sorry, two days ago. Um, two days ago, I, I loaned him my truck <clears throat> so that he could make money for his family. Yesterday, I'm talking to him, and um, I'm sorry, today. <laughs> I'm losing track of time. Anyway, I'm just talking to him, and he says, you're not going to believe this, Jeremy. The guy who owns this company, he just, I, I worked for him that one full day, and then the next morning, and then he sat me down in his office and said, you do really good work. I, like, you work really well, and the work that you do is really good, and I can tell that you have, a like, a business mind and you're responsible. I'm going to hire you full time. In fact, I'm going to make you a, uh, what's it called? A, not a foreman 
and I'm gonna put inexperienced electricians under you and you're gonna be in charge of my next two big jobs. He calls me up. He said, everything has changed. He's making plenty of money for he and his wife and his kid. Like he's gonna make enough money that he'll be able to put like a down payment on a car soon. And like, he's just beside himself with, with joy. And I'm beside myself with joy. I know this sounds like I'm bragging on myself, but really that car was given to me anyway. That, that truck was a gift to me and my wife. And I was just like, dude, you can use it. And, and now like I'm, I get to be partnering with Jesus who saves. Like he has, he already loved the Lord, but now he has this incredible testimony of Jesus who saves. Jesus who gives trucks. <laughs> Click cluck, the banana of life who gives trucks. <laughs> he wants to be that for you still. We have an, a, a testimony from uh, the Hornings. Chuck, you want to come up? <clears throat> They have a testimony from uh, Jesus who saves. Why don't you tell us what happened? I moved to Texas 2011. I had a backpack and a guitar, pretty much, uh, carry-on. Um, so I didn't have a car or anything. I haven't had a car. I've, I've not had a car the entire time I've been here. Um, married Sasha in 2012. She had a beat-up. Literally, like hail damage Mazda Protege, that uh, she kind of she kind of it broke down. It actually exploded after my first born was was born right before he right before right before we had a child. That one vehicle we had um, exploded, and then somebody gave us five thousand dollars anonymously, and we bought a van. So we had one car. We've had one car since uh, two two thousand twelve. So obviously we've you know we've needed a car pretty bad. She has. But, you know, we have two children now. Um, So, you know, just life with one car is difficult. I mean, I know people who have no cars, like your friend, and that's just bizarre. Um, So life with one car as a a mother, mother, is is very, very difficult. So we've been in a, you know, we've been praying for a car. It's not even that that difficult. But Jesus, he just likes to give us abundance. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could get places if I wanted to, but Jesus said more, you know? So he gave us more. I was like, okay. Okay, so I, I'm wearing I'm wearing this sweet, like, I don't know. It's just been this thing in my life right now with the wine. So Jesus, I'm sorry, baby. I'm just feeling the glory. Okay, we've been talking about wine. We've been getting drunk off the Holy Ghost wine. And Jesus has been pouring it out, right? He's pouring it out right now. And so, but it's been on our hearts more, right? <laughs> Woo! More. Kendra's got more wine. <laughs> okay, but our car is a wine-colored car. Wait, 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 wait. Oh! <laughs> Okay, so she told the end of the story. She, did, she pulled a Quentin Tarantino. She told the end of the story first. 
Um, Ashley's the one person that understands that joke. Um, so anyway, so we've, we've been needing a car. Sasha, here's the thing. Like, it has, here's the thing about hardship is it's been hard, but she has totally not overcome the hardship. She's changed it around where it, what would have been hard, she made not just doable, but she created it with her perspective from heaven to earth. She's turned it into an encounter. So she would literally take, a, like, a stroller. Uh, we lived in the hood in Carrollton, Texas, and she would take the stroller, and she would go on jogs, and she would go to Kroger and carry all of this stuff back all by herself while there was people probably sitting in their house thinking, oh, I can't really do anything. Look how, you know, how hard my life is. And granted, you look at that person, you'd be like, yeah, I mean, that's sad that that person's having a hard life. However, literally, because of what Jesus has done in the perspective of heaven, and what he's already done and accomplished in Sasha's life, Sasha was like, you know what? He died for a whole lot more than me sitting around on my uh, pity party soapbox. And she got off of her butt and went and got groceries as hard as it maybe circumstantially seemed. So she was being faithful doing stuff like that for probably two years while we were needing another car. And then, so what happened literally yesterday, and I mean, there's so many things. We had a, uh, we had tax season, I'm telling it, tax season came up, we got our tax return in, and we were like, we're like, hallelujah, like we have money in the bank. Well, what ended up happening was we made a mistake. We actually spent more than what we had for rent (laughs) through our tax money. So um, a a friend of ours, through a Facebook post, saw that we needed a new stroller. And we got a brand new double jogger stroller. And they gave us some cash that completely covered our financial need to pay for rent. This was, our rent is due in like two days. This was last night. Um, Completely covered rent. Brand new stroller for my wife who loves to, to jog. And then the same exact night, duct taped to our door is a letter that says, hey, Hornings, follow, if, you know, at your next convenient time, follow this address. And basically tom- today, this morning, we followed the address to a car dealership where a brand new, or not brand new, it was a 2000 Jeep Grand Cherokee completely restored and customized with a front gate grill and mudder tires and a vent so I could, like, drive it into the ocean and it's and it's and it's wine colored, which the Holy Spirit's just been talking to us about, you know, restoring um, restoring the old wine with the new wine and communion. And like the whole story has been, Jesus wants to commune with us. He wants to just be with us and and through that being do things for us. And it's just been it's just been crazy awesome just being with Jesus and watching him do the stuff we couldn't do on our own. So let's pray for the hornings. <clears throat> Yeah. No, 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 you can't. The Lord knows. Jesus, give Chuck and Sasha what they want. Lord, we know that you you always provide what we need. ask that you give them the desires of their heart, that you'd pull a Psalm 103, where it says, you uh, satisfy our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord, and thank you for the snorkel air intake on that wine-colored Jeep. It means that they can breathe underwater. They can breathe under wine. <laughs> Just dive in. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the funniest, the, the funniest part, okay, the guy from the car dealership forgets his CD in the CD player. This is going to offend religion. Um, and it's ACDC, Back in Black. He forgets his CD. First time I've had a CD player since my Camaro broke down in 2009. Okay, 
forgets the CD player. I'm just like, I got to check out this CD player. I turn it on, and I drive to church listening to take a drink, on, have a drink on me. But ACDC, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is saying, have a drink on me. So may you, may you be blessed. Awesome. Isn't Jesus cool? Jesus is so cool. Like, he's not just trying to, like, make sure that your cupboard is stocked with ramen noodle. Like, you, I know this, this, this might sound backwards, but you're, you're royalty, and you can ask him to be treated like the son of a king. I, one, one, just one, one more quick story. I was, there was something wrong with my Suburban at one point. It was driving, like, I was riding, like, every three feet was a, uh, a speed bump. That's what it felt like as I drove my car. And I was like, oh, my gosh. There, the, uh, the alignment is completely messed up. The alignment, like, the, the axle has turned into a banana or something. Like, <laughs> and so I drove it like that for a little while because um, I, I don't have, at the time, money for, like, axle repair. And uh, and I was I went and led worship at this uh, like home church in Carrollton and was driving down the tollway and my truck's just like <laughs> just terrible and I just got honest with the Lord and I said Lord this doesn't feel like a king's son's chariot seriously I was like I might be whining right now but this truck is is pretty bad, Lord. <laughs> like, I'm grateful for the wheels that I've had, but this doesn't feel like a representation of royalty on earth. And a tire blew. Literally, as I was done praying that prayer, a tire blew, not like in a gentle way, like a pow, fluff, 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 fluff. <laughs> and I pull off the side of the road, and I'm actually covered in peace. I'm actually laughing. As I get out of the truck, I'm like, this is God. I just prayed for, like, new wheels. And, um, and I pull that busted tire off, and I put on a, the, a full-size spare. And my truck drove perfectly. And I realized that the tire that was on there had, like, some crazy bulge or something. It was just a bad tire. I'd been driving it for months. <laughs> Anyway, the Lord wants to hear the desires of our heart tonight. He really, really, really wants to hear the desires of our heart. He wants us to be free from that religious spirit that says, well, that's selfish. (laughs) Why would you ask God for what you want? He is so busy. Like, (laughs) He only gives what you need, bare minimum. The rest you have to work for yourself. (laughs) This is is not to negate (laughs) the beauty of hard work and diligence in our heart. He obviously rewards that. But I'm saying that he really wants to be the, the Jesus who saves again. Like, Right now, he wants to be Jesus who saves you from some kind of addiction or bad job situation. He wants to be the Jesus who delivers you from a really terrible boss 
He wants to promote that boss and then promote you into that boss's position, promote that boss right out of your business. Like he, he wants to be Jesus who saves. So let's stand up and talk to Jesus who saves. Just like uh, old blind Bartimaeus, son of David, don't pass me by. <laughs> don't, don't pass me by. I'm going to make a scene. Jesus, don't pass me by. There's something that I want real bad, and I didn't believe you were good enough to give it to me. You show me your goodness. You satisfy our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed. You are the father who delights to give his children good gifts. Jesus. Jesus. I ask that you'd completely dismantle the poverty mentality in our church. That we're there we're only good enough. We're just saved in order to uh scrape out a a very uh humble life and and just just get by. Lord, no, we we believe that we are greatness on planet earth, that you've designed us to be the leaders of the world. You've designed us to take over the mountains of influence in media and business and education and all the rest of the mountains of influence. Lord, ask God that you would you would dismantle that that thing in our mind tells us we should only pray prayers that we think that you want to hear, that we would come to you with the desires of our heart. And God, we really want to be the people with the answers. We want to be just like you on planet Earth. We want to be Vince who saves. We want to be Chuck who saves. We want to be John who saves. Ariel who saves people, who demonstrate a practical, applicable Savior. Holy Spirit, we want you. Give us this day our daily banana from heaven. (laughs) Give us this day our daily dose of the Holy Ghost with the most. We don't want to be boring, bitter, angry Christians who don't know how to smile. We don't want that, Jesus. We want to be the ones that are anointed with the oil of joy above all of our companions because we love righteousness and hate wickedness. Holy Ghost, another dose. (laughs) Seriously. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We're asking, heavenly father, for the Holy Ghost. 
We're asking for the Holy Spirit. We're asking for the Holy Spirit right now. Everybody ask him with me. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we ask you for the Holy Spirit in increasing measure even more, even more, even more, even more, even more, Holy Spirit, even more. Father, we want even more. We want even more. We say goosebumps are not enough. We want even more, Holy Spirit, even more. We want, we want the God of breakthrough. Holy Spirit, even more, even more, even more. We want the above and beyond all that we ask or imagine, God. We want even more. Father, we want even more. We want even more. Jesus, we see you walking up to us saying, what do you want me to do for you? Just like you walked up to all those people in the Bible. Just like you walked up to seeing Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? We want more, Holy Ghost. Even more. Even more, Holy Ghost. This week, the Lord gave me one of the most powerful dreams of my life. I was running into a burning building, saving people, pulling them out. I'd saved about a dozen people. I had the ability to see through smoke and through darkness. I walked some people out. I carried out other people. And after I'd carried out about a dozen, I went to a, a window that went down into the basement. And I saw a father and a mother and a son in there. And the son was in, like about 10 years old, and these, these people kept running back for possessions, but the father handed me his son, and I had supernatural strength. I yanked him out of the basement with one arm, and every time I would save someone out of this building, there was this uh, prophet. He's a, he's a real guy on planet Earth. There's this prophet who was waiting for me on the other side of the street. He would pray for me, encourage me. I'd go back in and save more people, but this time when I brought the boy out, I went up to the prophet. He took my shirt, and he and he smelled it and went, and he said, yep, you got it now. That's the spirit and aroma of revival. And he laid his hand on me and started praying that I'd be able to carry it and steward it. And I, in the dream, in the dream, I fell out in the spirit and began screaming, like looking at the ceiling from the power of his prayer. And I got so excited in the dream. And all I could think about is there's going to be real heart transformation now. There's going to be real heart transformation, not just behavior modification, but heart transformation. And what the Lord showed me is that he is the Jesus who saves. The one that runs into the burning building will come out with the aroma of revival. He's close to the brokenhearted. He runs to them. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you want to get close to the Lord, get close to the brokenhearted. You'll find him right there. Jesus, we want to be the answer. We want to have the answer to the world's problems.